Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 156. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation. And I am back after my week staycation. want to thank Josh Carney and Jonathan Hightrader for sitting in for me on the last couple of episodes. But Dave, it is officially camp week. We are back. The Steelers are back. I can't wait. We're back, baby. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, fun. Definitely a fun week. I uh, found myself getting uh, real excited uh, last night. And, you know, because, ju- you know, just a lot of things that we're going to learn here, I think, or hopefully learn uh, during the, you know, uh, you know, throughout training camp and, and obviously all the news, newsy kind of stuff that comes right at the front. And, you know, I think we got a uh, Alex Highsmith press conference going to happen today. That'll keep us busy. And, you know, just all the things that go along with the start of training camp with, with Tomlin speaking and us finding out who's going to go on, if any, go on the PUP and the, or the NFI or, or any of those lists and, you know, those initial reporting day uh, media scrums and just all the, 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 the typical stuff. And then obviously following it up later on this week, when you get out to late trobe mm-hmm. uh, for the, uh, f- for the first of uh, you know, several practices and looking forward to those reports. So yeah, it's about that time again. And thank you everybody who is, you know, stuck with us uh, throughout the off season and reading the site and, you know, listening to the shows and all like that. So it should be an exciting, uh, you know, next month coming up, obviously uh, 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 edging towards the start of the 2023 regular season. Yeah, we are back at it. So plenty to talk about today, probably recapping some of the things that you discussed last week, but to get my thoughts on Alex Highsmith, potentially the running back market situation. Before we do that, though, Dave, if you guys could just indulge me for for just one second, I wanted to uh, to say something here on the podcast. Got a message from one of our loyal longtime listeners and readers of the site, Dave, and he sent me this message that very sadly, his younger brother, Jason, had passed away this weekend after a, a battle with cancer. Mm. So um, he just wanted to to ask if we could give a shout out to him. And our thoughts are certainly with Dave and his family. Uh, Jason, big time uh, Steelers fan, um, attending a couple of Steelers games together, including the uh, uh, famous Deshae Townsend interception of Tony Romo. And that, I think, big comeback victory about a decade plus ago. So just wanted to shout that out and uh, let Dave know that we're thinking about him uh, and his family. So appreciate you letting me give that shout out, but um, we can, can move on here now. And uh, I know that you guys talked about Alex Highsmith quite a bit. And as you just alluded to press conference today uh, to celebrate that, that four year extension. Um, I, I won't, you know, talk too much about it because much has already been said and I've written about it some as well, but I just think it's a great story for a guy to be a zero star recruit out of high school, walk on to Charlotte and to go from there to, where he's at today, changing his family tree, securing this mega payday. And so it's well-deserved. He's a really good player coming off a breakout season. But I love the story behind it for for the man, not just the player. 
Absolutely. Uh, and it's, you know, obviously we've talked about him most of the off season and how we expected, uh, this to happen. And it wasn't, uh, really so much if it would happen, it was when and what it would look like from a, a new money standpoint and all like that. And obviously we, we got all those answers, uh, this past week here and, uh, and, and, you know, here's something else, you know, we, we, see, you know, we wondered if they would get this done before camp or, or, mm-hmm. or, or after the start of camp and just another sign that, you know, Omar Khan, it, it looks like, you know, we talk about things that are maybe a little bit different here, uh, moving forward with the way Omar Khan likes to, likes to run things here. Uh, it feels like if he has his druthers that he would like to get these off season extensions done, uh, prior to the start of training camp as, as opposed to them, you know, trickling over into it. Yeah, I had written about that. And and first of all, kudos to you, because I think you nailed this one to a T. I guessed it would happen shortly after camp opened up. You would guess before camp. And I think from the money standpoint, you were right on the money. And so you are the Oracle of Vegas. You got the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett, and you're the Oracle of Las Vegas when it comes to all things cap and Steelers related. So I think you nailed this one uh, basically to a T. But you're right. I, I think we've certainly seen that urgency from Omar Khan whether it was Minka last June, Highsmith before camp, even Deontay Johnson and Chris Boswell getting done before camp ended about halfway through camp. And I think why I think the, maybe the philosophy is a bit different with Khan than Colbert. I do think the fact that the hold-ins have become a lot more popular, have given some players a bit of leverage in that respect, especially in Pittsburgh where holdouts were never a thing. The team does not talk to anybody who would threaten a holdout or holdout back when that was in vogue. And so, I think that's maybe created a bit more urgency in Pittsburgh to get these guys done ahead of camp. So there is no hold in and these guys aren't losing reps during the summer that may have some sort of effect as you get into the season. Yeah, we'll see. I I guess, you know, kind of if you want to kind of take a peek ahead, uh, you know, maybe somebody we'll be talking about next year. It could be Pat Fryermuth. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I think there's a good chance that, you know, that ends up being a, a huge topic of conversation, uh, you know, next off season. And, and hopefully maybe, you know, uh, he'll have a good 2023 season and this will be another kind of easy one to, 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 you know, kind of predict and follow the process on. And, you know, a year from now when they report for, for training camp, probably get, getting him done as well too. Uh, the, uh, you know, we've talked quite a bit, obviously with, uh, or I have with uh, Josh and Jonathan and you know, I don't want to go too, too deep into the Alex Highsmith thing here, but one thing that we have not did not have uh, up until, or, you know, heading into the weekend was the actual breakdown uh, of, of the contract. We obviously had some loose numbers, uh, uh, knew what the, uh, overall value is going to be and some of the kind of the, the yearly cash flow uh, type things, but we didn't have the actual, you know, signing bonus and, and structure of this thing. And we do have it now. Uh, he received, and here's the thing, uh, you know, he's upwards up, you know, uh, as far as my prediction went, uh, I, I viewed it anywhere from what was, I don't know, 15, 15 and a half to 17 uh, in a quarter uh, new money average. He obviously came in on the higher end of that scale at 17 million there. But when you look at this and, and you know, I've seen people get kind of ups, 
you know, upset about that. But when you look at the breakdown uh, of this deal, to be quite honest with you, you know, $16 million uh, signing bonus for him. Uh, they lowered his base salary down uh, to the minimum for his uh you know, crude seasons there. Uh, that brings his cash flow in year one to just a tick over uh, 17 million in total. And while while this thing cash flow wise ends up being what it should be, or what you know what what the numbers say, obviously seven a uh, uh, little you know close close closer to 71 million. Uh, when you look at it in the early years of the cash flow uh, situation there, it's, it's actually to me from what my predictions were, and what, what I thought this contract would look like, even after the initial uh, numbers were reported, it's a, li- it's a little light in the cash flow early on. And then obviously made up uh, in the later of the year, years of the deal, specifically, it catches up to where the probably the cash flow, the expected cash flow would be through 2025. But in these first two years, and you know specifically even this first year, I viewed, I thought the cash flow would come in a little bit higher, and meaning that the signing bonus would be a little bit higher than it was. And then the first year base salary being a little bit higher overall, it feels like through the first two years of this deal, 2023, 2024, and specifically through the first new year uh, of the deal, which would be 2024, it feels like it's like $3 million light in cash flow. Now, is that huge in the grand scheme of things? No, but uh, I think overall, if you look at you know the fact that he got 17 million dollar new money average and then th- this thing ended up being a four year extension versus maybe a two year extension it feels like they kind of you know some concessions were made on each side here to get to that point but on top of it it feels like this contract favors the Steelers through the first two years of the deal being 2023 and 2024. Now there was the report right out of the shoot that uh 27 point a little more than 27.7 million of this deal uh was guaranteed and as I cautioned when I ran through the contract on that solo podcast there is let's see what's really guaranteed as far as fully guaranteed and injury guaranteed. Mm -hmm. I had a feeling that, that there were not going to be full guarantees past the first year of this deal. And that ended up being the case. Obviously the, the base salary in 2023 of, of a little over a million is fully guaranteed. Obviously the signing bonus of 16 million is fully guaranteed, but past that, and specifically, when you get into the second year money of 2024, you have a base salary a little more than $10.7 million. And that's guaranteed for injury only. It's not fully mm. guaranteed there. So uh, Omar was able to stick. And we talked about this through the press process, right, for these non kind of market resetting deals, this team's probably going to want to try to stay away from sec- 
from from fully guaranteed money past the first year. And that ended up being a, you know, a concession that, you know, Alex Highsmith had to make on on his end here overall. So, you know, people will look at this thing and say, ah, that's 17 million dollar new money average. That seems high. Uh, But I think when you look at the first two years of this contract, uh, the trade-off to getting there, the cash flow is a little light by three million. Obviously, only 2023 is fully guaranteed money. Overall, top to bottom, this is a good deal for both sides, but it leans more in the first two years of this deal of being uh, advantage Steelers overall. Now, the hope is obviously he goes out and plays uh, plays all, all right. five five years of this deal, and it just doesn't matter, you know, mm-hmm. but. And, and, you know, more specifically, you'd like them to get through the first three years of this deal uh, 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 just fine, you know, without anything happening there. But uh, uh, I like the chances of him playing out this full deal. And once again, top to bottom, when you break these things down from a cash flow and a new money and and and, you know, uh, uh, guarantees and all like that, this, this deal really top to bottom uh, advantage Steelers. Yeah, that, that's well said and, and summarized by you. If I could uh, get my memory refreshed on two things, TJ Watt, he got the first two years or three years fully guaranteed of his deal? Uh, was it two or three? I know it was the first two for sure. Yeah, obviously, because that was the one that broke precedent beyond the first year. I forget if it was three years or two years fully guaranteed. And do you know if Minka, he was just the first two, I'm pretty sure. Let's see. The Watt uh, deal had the first three years of okay. it of uh, fully guaranteed, and uh, because all Minka the, was. Let's see. The Minka deal two. was uh, through this year, so first two years of the okay. of the Minka deal was fully guaranteed. Now, obviously, beyond that, there's a whole injury guarantees and all like that. Sure. But if we're talking fully guaranteed. Uh, Minka was the first two years, and Watt was the first three years. All right, so we're kind of seeing a bit of a hierarchy there. You know, Watt gets three, Minka gets two, Highsmith stays at the standard one. From a signing both uh, signing bonus standpoint. What did Watt and Mika get? Was there any difference? Did did Highsmith kind of get a bigger relative signing bonus to kind of exchange for the only first year fully guaranteed money? No, no, not not really because of the fact that once again, I thought the cash flow would be a little bit stronger mm-hmm. uh, overall from a percent. Here, here's what came into play, and we talked about this as well too. You know, the threat of the franchise tag uh, uh, that was really. Uh, you know, wielded in this situation here, uh, because quite honestly, I thought he was going to get uh, more like you know closer to twenty million in that first year, uh, being this year two thousand twenty three, and he only got a tick over over seventeen million. So the fact that they were able to keep the signing bonus down uh, overall, and 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 when you when you remember back that he was originally scheduled to earn. Uh, two point little, little over two point seven, almost two point seven five million, because of the uh, pr- uh, proven performance escalator uh, that he had qualified for this year, and the fact that he got seventeen point one million total. You know, I don't want to say only an increase of you know a little more than fourteen million dollars in the first year, but to get the deal done, uh, 
because normally you need to incent in in you know give some incentive to sign the deal. But once again, you had the threat of back to back franchise tags that kind of capped off uh, specifically this year and next year with a tag that hey, if you don't take this deal, this is the most that you're going to have the opportunity to earn anyway. They mm-hmm. were really able to use that. The Steelers use that as leverage on their side to keep the cash flow down in the first two years of the deal. Right. That's always the uh, the trump card to use from the, the team side is always that threat, that franchise tag. So. And I, I think uh, uh, Pat Firemuth's going to uh, they might let him <laughs> in the office to look at the uh, franchise tag sword this offseason. <laughs> <laughs> Just show that holster a little bit like the old Wild West movies. Yeah. 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 You want to you want to come see it? You know, uh, <laughs> see what it looks like. Uh, but, uh, you know, and. Obviously, there's all this talk about the running backs and the money and all like that. But, you know, until until, you know, the the next CBA discussions come along, you know, players as a whole hate the franchise tag. And the teams and owners love it. And good luck to them to give it up. They do. So I think, you know, I I will learn from this situation from from uh, trying to extrapolate, project these contracts from the fact that. You know, I, I really believe that Omar likes to likes to use that thing, you know, a, 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 as a threat there and barring uh, Pat Fryer, Fry, even if Pat Fryer comes out and has obviously a, a, a career year, it doesn't change the process overall here. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, they basically, you know, look at what the what they can potentially cap these guys out at with the franchise tag. Uh, you know, uh, going into the final year of their their uh, their rookie contracts, and then kind of work backwards from there and say, how much of this cash do you want now? Do you really want to risk playing for you know, in, in Alex Heisman's case, two point seven four three million, with hopes of getting the franchise tag and then negotiating off that, or do you want to get the get get you know get this get the guaranteed money right now? Right. The risk of getting hurt, the rest risk of regression, the risk of whatever happens to may, you know, reduce those chances of, of getting that long term deal later if you wait or if you play extreme hardball. So happy that it's done. Happy that it's done before camp. It's a good deal for all sides and just goes back to the Steelers business model of draft, develop, retain. That's what happened with Alex Highsmith. You're right. Exactly. All right, running back market. Again, I think you guys talked about it a fair bit last week, so I won't uh, you know, drag the conversation on too much longer. There is an update, though, off of that, apparently on Saturday night, first reported by PFT's Mike Florio, the Chargers running back Austin Eckler put together a Zoom meeting for all the top running backs in football. Najee Harris reportedly did attend it to talk about, basically, I guess it was the old Seinfeld airing of the grievances, I, I guess, because I don't know what else to really um, was was to be accomplished there. And I don't really, really know what came out of that meeting other than a report from PFT talking about that running backs want to get with agents to, to, I guess, set out better expectations and see what agents can try to do. I really don't see any solutions here for the, for the running back position under the current set of circumstances. But it is important to know, especially knowing that sooner or later, you know, Najee Harris will be looking for that second contract. Yeah, and uh, 
Nick Chubb and, and obviously the Browns have already reported and Nick Chubb spoke about this, I think, yesterday. I thought Nick uh, Chubb did a good job addressing the correct questions related uh, 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 you know, to the Zoom meeting and, and the running back situation and all like that. Uh, I don't know if uh, uh, you know, obviously being a Steelers you know, themed <laughs> site and podcast and all like that, not, not a lot of people are going to run over and try to track down what all he said, but I, I think it's worth listening to uh, over all and in so many words you know he said there's not much that we can do and mm-hmm. uh that's the basis of all this and i know there's all this talk about running backs uh you you know forming their own union and all like that good luck with that you know mm-hmm. uh and good luck you know, i think mike florio from pro football talk said look they need to get all these guys together these running backs together and then next year say we're not reporting to OTAs and all like that. Well, good luck getting those rookie undrafted free agents to, <laughs> uh, uh, to show up on, uh, and do that. And look, you obviously have these top of the market guys and, and these guys are impacted there, but what beyond that, these guys are just looking to get rosters. A lot of these, you know, uh, 75% of the, 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 the running backs on, on rosters would love to get in the situation that the Nick Chubbs and the Najee Harris and, and Ecklers and all these guys would like to be right. So, uh, uh, are you going to really get all these guys, all, all the running backs in a running back union to, to, uh, stand up and, 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 and take a hard stance on this and not show up, you know, somebody's going to break ranks there because mm-hmm. they got to eat, <laughs> right. uh, uh, that kind of thing there. And, and they're, you know, I hate it for them, but they're in a rock and hard place right now. And to get, you know, the NFL PA to do anything and, and, you know, to try to get concessions made. Well, what about the other position groups? You know, what about the, 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 the centers and the guards that, and, and the off the ball linebackers, that, uh, uh, and, 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 and the safeties that think they're underpaid. When are you going to fight for us? You know, what are we going to have to give up as a group of players so that running backs can get paid more? You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, it, it, it sounds good in theory and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, have they kept up with with the inflation and the rise of, of, the, of the cap and all like that as far as what they're getting paid? No. The best way to defeat this situation for them is for a couple of them to get paid, you know? Right. That's uh, what I was saying. A generational player comes and he resets the market and the rising tide lifts all boats. Right. So, you know, and, and until some of these see some of these top guys hold up, you know, hold out and force you know, or, or at least get themselves in a situation where teams have to pay them. Well, it, 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 it's, it's not going to help out the group overall. And look, Najee's in for, it's going to be very interesting. And, you know, I, I fully expect when Najee reports, you know, uh, uh, in the middle of this week here, a lot of the conversation in the media scrum that he has is going to be related to what you guys talk about in, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in this zoom call and, and what do you guys think you can do? And it's going to be, you know, it will be interesting to see his responses and see how those kind of align with a guy like Nick Chubb, but quite honestly, they're just SOL for lack of a better word there. And a guy like Najee, uh, specifically, you know, he's got to have a good season in 2023 just to make sure he gets himself in a situation where he gets his fifth year option picked up. You know, if anything, 
it's kind of a deterrent. Yeah, he. I don't want to say, you know, tank the season or anything. <laughs> so the option doesn't get picked up and he can hit free agency. Potentially right, early. right. I the, see. I see. You see where I'm going there? Because yeah. uh, let's say he has a great season and his, his fifth year option gets picked up. Well, what's that number going to be? I don't know, 10, 10, 11 million, something like that. It's a little bit early mm-hmm. out on that. But, you know, at least he hits that end of it, but he stays underneath control of the Steelers another year longer. And then obviously you get into the years past his fifth year, unless they come to the negotiation table next offseason, which would be very uncharacteristic for for the Steelers, as we talked about for a player two year out, two years mm-hmm. out, you know, to, to sign until long. In other words, he would have to be hoping for a Christian McCaffrey type situation. Uh, whereas, you know, he, 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 he signed a, you know, the deal that he's on, uh, ahead of his fifth year option, uh, going into, to, uh, effect. In fact, I don't even think they got to the fifth year option, uh, on him, the decision on him, they signed into right. that long-term deal before even having to, to decide to pick up the fifth year option. So unless the Steelers do something like that with Najee, which it would be very, very uncharacteristic from the Steelers organization, then he's. Najee's still potentially looking at the fifth year option, uh, a tag year after that, and then possibly a back to back tag year under that. And, you know, that you want to talk about really capping his earnings. And especially if some of these guys on the top end of the market, like Christian McCaffrey and Chubb and Kamara, all those deal and, and Henry and those things start coming off the board, what's the cap number going to do? You know, uh, mm-hmm. so it, it's it's not a great outlook from where Najee sits right now. And it'll be interesting to hear him talk on that uh, later this week when the reports to training camp. And he's spoken about it some already during the spring. And then that tweet, uh, whenever the running backs became very vocal initially a week or two ago. And so I think we kind of a general feel for his thoughts. Yeah, you're right. It, it is funny. It's almost like the best plan for running back is to be you know, bad this year, get the option declined and then have that great fourth year. And so that kind of just maybe, you know, has boost your, your market value back. But as, as the bottom line is, as long as the franchise tag exists, the players really don't have a lot of options. And that's what Tony Pollard and Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs and years ago, Le'Veon Bell all ran up against. And so what the running backs need to try to do is to push for the franchise tag to get eliminated in the future CBA. But A, that's in 2030. All these guys will be done playing by then or almost done playing by then. And B, good luck getting the owners to agree. The concession needed to give up the tag would be monumental. I don't even know what it, what it would take for the owners to to uh, eliminate the franchise tag. So the, I, I had written yesterday, the best thing running back should do the thing running back should do is to try to build a time machine and go back to 2020 and rework the CBA because barring that, I don't know what else they can do. Yeah. But uh, it would have to be all players, right? Not just running backs because you got to have the full support of the league. And is, is the league going to, are you going to get the collective of the players in the NFL PA to make concessions on their side for one position group of players? Sure. You know? Well, I mean, obviously, no no player likes the franchise tag, right. so there's probably an appetite position why to do that. But what it would take to actually get the NFL to give that up, I mean, I'm sure players and the, the NFLPA would not love whatever that thing would be. Right, 
Right. If, you know, you, uh, they're going to want another game out of them. They're going to, you know, they're going to have to make some concessions to get that stuff out of there and get players to free agency uh, quicker and all like that. So, you know, good luck. And once again, you know, when Najee's situation, you know, you know, what do you do? You want to, you want to, you want to do just well enough this year <laughs> that almost that it, you know, they don't pick up your fifth year option. You know, and remember that the fifth year option for Najee Harris is for the 2025 season. Right. So he, <laughs> you know, to, to, to earn that money is still way out there uh, overall for him. And, you know, I don't know what, what's, what's the mindset to make sure that you don't get 400 touches in a season, tap yourself out of a couple of games, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. But, but, Give 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 uh, 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 Jalen some work here. I, I think this is a purple, you know, tap out. I'm a little tired here, you know, <laughs> uh, get a, but, you know, you still, once again, you want to do you, you don't want to do bad enough where they really start questioning or we're around the league, your question. Right. But, but then again, you kind of wonder is the, <laughs> fi- is the fifth year option worth it? Right. There's such an incredible line to walk. And of course, if you, you know, hypothetically tapped out and Jalen Warren runs well, then it's like, okay, we're not going to pay you Najee because Jalen Warren's running well. And so we'll just pay, we'll just go to him because he's cheaper. So that's the whole issue. There is again, obviously no clear solution, uh, you know, to, to handle this. So all Najee Harris can do is just go in, have the best season that he can get the fifth year option picked up, I guess, let the chips where they lie. Um, it's all he can do is just focus on himself. I mean, trying to, he, he alone cannot solve the running back market right. crisis. None of these guys can do that. Even collectively together, they can try to do some things, but it, their options are extremely limited. So all they can do is just be the best players they can be. And, and like I said before, I've said this for a while, you know, let's assume that it's a uh, Bijan Robinson, the rookie that just becomes the next generational AP type player and has enough leverage that he gets paid a record setting deal and resets the market. And then players behind him follow suit and they won't jump Robinson potentially, but they could come in, right behind him. So that, that to me is truly the way the running back market increases. It will always lag behind other positions, but hopefully the salaries can go up over time. You know, if you're a young running back too, in this next year's class and you're deemed uh, one of the top, do you, do you purposely tank your pre-draft process? So you don't (laughs) get drafted in the first round. So you're not, uh, uh, so you don't have to worry about that fifth year option, you know, uh, it, it's something to think about. And uh, I tell you these, and you know, uh, I think you're seeing a situation when, you know, you don't think th- th- these young players don't think about, they just want to get to the NFL. Right. You know? Yeah. And then uh, we're not, we're not really seriously suggesting anyone to really tank or do anything like that. I don't think. No, but maybe I, you I, are. I don't know. I, maybe I, you are. I don't know. I mean, what, what's the word going to start trickling down, you know, uh, not that it hasn't already, but, but, you know, this is going to start filtering down into the lower levels at some point. And I tell you, if I'm a high school running back right now, if I've got a savvy, uh, you know, people around me that, that, that think I can do something, are you, you know, are you thinking, man, you're the best athlete on this team. I'd, I'd seriously consider moving to a wide receiver or, or, you know, uh, moving to another position. Cause you're not, you know, at least until 2000 and, 30, you're not going to get paid as a running back in, in, in the NFL. There is going to be some sort of fallout from this, I think, positionally. Uh, but I, you know, I don't know exactly what that looks like. 
Probably, although I would just say this is not a new conversation. The running backs have been up against it for several seasons. I think it just become more to the forefront this year because A, it's the offseason and B, the players themselves have been more vocal. But this is not a brand new problem. It's something that they've been dealing with for going on probably about 10 years now. Right. And once again, I I think it's going to be very interesting to hear what what Najee has to say about all this when he reports later this week. He generally has kind of a no filter kind of vibe. So he'll probably give you his honest thoughts, but that's uh, probably enough talk on the running back market. Uh, we'll go now to my uh, roster predictions. It, it, it feels like training camp because I'm issuing my pre training camp Pittsburgh Steelers roster predictions, knowing that this will change and I'll have different additions following each post or a preseason game. So I'll kind of run through the names here and you kind of give me your input and what you agree and what you disagree with. Dave, starting with quarterback, keeping three. The obvious names, Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, and Mason Rudolph. Yeah, look, I mean, it's hard to go against those right now, and especially with the uh, uh, how little money Mason Rudolph's, you know, making uh, some minimum deal right there. How I guess the biggest question, I wrote this up in my 90 and 30, is, you know, th- they already know a lot about Mason Rudolph, obviously, at this point. Uh, you still got to get him some work throughout the summer and all like that, but you know, it, 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 uh, does how how Chris Oladokun does Tanner mm-hmm. Morgan get uh, uh, this year and he, uh, during during camp in the preseason? It's hard enough anyway to get even a third string quarterback some snaps. And obviously, with Kenny Pickett, you know, uh, f- uh, first full year entering camp as a starter, you want to get him uh, plenty of work throughout this process. Here, uh, the biggest question, you know, once again, I think the biggest biggest question is how much work can Tanner Morgan get throughout this process and 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 will it even matter because it's hard to go against Pickett, Trubisky and Mason Rudolph especially with Rudolph earning the mm-hmm. minimal here uh to see Rudolph uh uh getting the axe after after the dust dust clears at running back I have 3 uh Najee Harris, Jalen Warren those are two locks the third spot wide open I'm going Alfonso Graham the rookie tryout player who caught a contract post-rookie minicamp from Morgan State. So it's really a question about that third running back spot, Dave. It really is, and it's been that for a little while. It'll be interesting to see if anybody's brought in. Look, we have seen, we, you know, we've had discussions in the past. This guy uh, looks good at the start of camp. Looks like he can play some special teams. One ankle injury later. Uh, or one, you know, uh, two two missed practices or whatever, and then 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 they're gone. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, or will this team look to bring in a more experienced guy uh, later on in the process? We'll see. But uh, uh, I think it's I think if there's going to be one young running back that's on the roster right now that has a chance of being that number three, and I'll even include Anthony McFarlane as a young running back in that group, I, I think it would lean towards more Alfonso Graham or Darius Higgins uh, there. So uh, it's one of the one, you know, it's, it's a insignificant, significant group to kind of look at, you know, when it comes to bottom of the roster guys, can Hagens or Graham a show anything on offense and more specifically, can they make contributions of like on two special teams or not? And maybe and, even four. And both have special teams background in college. And while number three running back is not the most exciting or consequential uh, spot, you know, you, if Harris or Warren goes down, your number three is your number two and it becomes pretty notable. We're going to talk about that number three pretty quickly. if He bumps up a spot on the depth chart. So it is a battle to, I think, closely watch. Right. 
All right, at fullback, I listed Connor Hayward. I think he's still, you know, working with the tight ends in terms of being in that room, but I'll call him a fullback just to make things look nice and pretty on the uh, on the roster side of things. But he's going to be versatile. He's going to move around, but, you know, essentially pick up uh, some of the snaps left by the departed Derek Watt. And then when you move forward into the, the kind of the adjoining room there uh, of the tight ends, you have, of course, Firemuth, Darnell Washington, Zach Gentry. I guess looking at those two position groups as a whole, uh, Zach Gentry would be the one that you probably wouldn't bet the entire house on, only most of the house on, on making it. It's uh, look. I, I am really excited to see what uh, Monty Potabom uh, can do. Uh, uh, <laughs> you love the mullets. You're all in yeah, on the yeah, mullet. Yeah, I, I, I do. But, you know, I, even his best, will it be enough? You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of situation. He could have the most fantastic camp and preseason there is. And you still have to wonder, is it enough? But if it is enough, where do you find the extra roster spot at for him? I, 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 I think I could see us because look, Zach, Zach Gentry is no special teams demon. Uh, and there have been questions about Zach Gentry's blocking. I think if this was to go such these combined four spots, if you will, if they were to go sideways, not because of injury, it would be because, all right, look, uh, you know, Zach, Zach Gentry, you know, Dar- a Darnell Washington's had a fantastic camp. He can give us everything we and we want and more as a second tight end on the field in in 12 personnel type grouping. And then on top of that, boy, how we, we can't cut Monty Potty Bump is too good of a damn special teams player. And he's a true fullback at that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a truer fullback than 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 Connor Hayward is. So if this if this combined position position group was to go sideways in any way, shape, or form, not injury related, then I could see maybe Potterbaum sneaking in instead of Gentry. The thing that Potterbaum has going for him, and given the tight spot that he's in, he doesn't have a lot going for him. But he's in the perfect offense because Pittsburgh wants to be old school. They want to be big personnel. They want to be eye form and run the ball and and get downhill and be physical. And those all fit in the Potterbaum's wheelhouse. With Gentry, you're right. I would not bet the whole house or even half the house. I'd bet a Hulk closet on Zach Gentry, I guess, okay. to make it. What what he has going for him is that Washington is a rookie. There could be some rookie struggles, even though he's a bit more refined and NFL ready than a lot of rookie tight ends. And he's got the size profile this team likes. And so I still think he makes it, but there is no you know guarantee there. If Connor Hayward was was a bigger player, then Gentry may be pushed out. But given the fact that you know Connor Hayward can never replace what Darnell Washington could do. Gentry's odds are going to make it. Now, will he be active on game day, Gentry? That's a different question. But I think for now, he's still inside that bubble. Right. It's look, it's it's hard to bet against the four that you have here. And, and it's the it's the obvious direction to go. But mm-hmm. w- once again, if there was somebody that's going to upset the apple cart here, it would really be two people because you would you, Darnell Washington. You'd have to have a lot of confidence in him being your number two coming out of camp. And then on top of it, uh, uh, Potabom would have to be dead solid. Perfect in, in I- all areas. I just want to interrupt our roster prediction here. Um, training camp is back for most teams. Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh, you said Pittsburgh's the last team to report to training camp this right, year. Is right. that correct? Yeah. By, so kind of crazy. Day. Yeah. Uh, and so a couple injuries around the league. And it is a reminder, training camp injuries can shake up roster predictions and roster spots and complexions of teams pretty quickly. It looks like Naheem Hines got 
reportedly he was on a jet ski stationary, got hit by another jet ski, oh, and oh. Uh, he's got a season-ending knee injury. And the Lions, they're a big uh, prize there. C.J. Gardner-Johnson has a non-contact leg injury. He's carted off the field, and so that could be season-ending for uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Mm, so just a reminder, the training camp. We've seen those in Pittsburgh, unfortunately. There's been some moments where it looked worse than than it was. Remember, Robert Golden went down, and I thought he was done for the year. Ramon Foster had one scary injury one year. Chase Claypool got hurt, I think, a season or two ago in camp, and um, things better than what they've seen, but uh, some discouraging news there already for uh, training camps around the league. But anyway, back to the Pittsburgh Steelers with wide receivers. I had six on my previous edition, now just five, and the five are pretty predictable in Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Allen Robinson, Calvin Austin, and Miles Boykin. So I think you would probably agree that those five are going to make it. The question is, will there be a six guy that makes it? Yeah. And where did this, uh, 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 what position group ate up the other spot? Was that offensive line with you? Didn't you go eight yes. the last time? Okay. Now I'm nine. Yep. Now right. I'm going Because I think for Pittsburgh, A, there's got to be a six receiver that earns that spot. And there's nobody that clearly deserves it entering camp. And B, again, for Pittsburgh, wanting to be big, physical, they may be more willing to go, which is five receivers, because they're not counting on having this prolific passing game. And the thing about Miles Boykin, it has him tied to this. It's hard to go against is that special team's ability. You know, yep. great guy. Uh, and plus, you know, been in the system now, uh, kind of understand can, can, can offer you some versatility, uh, within that. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely understand why you went the way that you, you did there. Uh, it, it will either be five or six at that position group. And, uh, it might come down to, uh, the, the offensive line total. Yeah. And I think for the receivers, can Calvin Austin be the kick and punt returner? If he can, great. If he can't, then does Gunnar Olszewski find a way to stick around on the roster? I think we're kind of counting him out, but I don't want to forget him because the return situation, although it may be devalued, still needs some guys back there, and that is an uncertain position right now for the Steelers. All right, offensive line here and offensive tackles, keeping three in Broderick Jones, Dan Moore Jr., and Chuck Wilmar core for uh, no LaRaven Clark. I have him uh, off the list here. He could make it, but I just think he's going to have a, a pretty poor camp. And of course, they drafted Jones after uh, signing LaRaven Clark. So really, it's the question of who starts more so than who gets kept. But those are the uh, three guys. Okay, uh, no, no argument here. And I think you kind of, you know, when 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 looking at perspective, you, you have Spencer Anderson listed as, as a center there, but he's obviously a versatile guy that going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see during camp how how much they look at that and, and preseason too how much they look at the versatility of Spencer Anderson right are we going to see him at right tackle uh right guard and center you know uh throughout this thing if Spencer Anderson gets to show that uh and we'll go ahead and read off the rest of these offensive guards you have Sayamalu James Daniels and 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 Nate Herbig uh, for, for the centers, you obviously have Mason Cole, you have Ryan McCollum in there, and then you added Spencer Anderson at the, uh, at the end of that, uh, list there as well, too. You could throw probably Anderson in any one of these positional mm-hmm. groups overall, uh, here. When, when I list mine, I'll probably just going to list offensive linemen total and not break them down by position there. But, uh, uh, I, I think Spencer Anderson is the real, I think there's two wild cards within this. A, can Ryan McCollum win the backup? center spot 
And obviously that's the way you have this thing working out. I think you've been leaning towards McCollum uh, most of the off season here. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think he is a bit of the wild card within this. Uh, Will they, will they go out and find a more veteran center uh, closer to the start of the season? That's a question we've asked quite a bit. And then the other wild card in this is Spencer Anderson and that versatility. If you can get some comfort whatsoever that this guy in break glass in case of emergency can play tack uh, right tackle, right guard, and even some center. I mean, that's a best case scenario uh, 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 there because uh, because of that versatility there. So uh, two wild cards within this McCollum and, 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 and Spencer Anderson. I, I see where your head's at and it's hard to go against it. Overall, you obviously have Kendrick Green on 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 the outside here. Right. And Green should open camp on day one as that second team backup center. But where it goes from there, we'll have to see. Yeah, somebody in the comments said they're not going to carry three centers. Why right? You're not going to carry Anderson, too. Well, Anderson, you can put him, as you said, a guard tackle. He may get more work at those other spots. I'm not quite sure how they're going to use him. So don't don't get too caught up in the three centers. McCollum can play guard. He would be, in my scenario, the, the true backup center. Anderson would be that versatile guy. Kind of reminds me of Chris Hubbard, but undersized, uh, mm-hmm. decent athlete overall, versatile. That's going to be going to be his calling card. Yeah, if you want something to track in in Alex Kazora's uh, uh, nightly camp reports and and preseason games when it comes to our charting and all like that, uh, instead of uh, uh, where where's uh, Waldo, where, where's Waldo? It's where's Spencer Anderson? Yeah, it's a little more wordy than where's Waldo, but but I'm I'm with you on it, that. It, the board game probably wouldn't sell all that well. <laughs> yeah. They're sitting on shelves. They're not. Uh, they're not too popular uh, this summer. All right, defense here. Defensive end: Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, and I'll call it the Marvin Leal at defensive end. So those three there, and basically just I should really lump this as defense alignment in general because there's versatility here. So with those three on top of that, Keanu Benton, Armin Watts, and Braden Fahoko, those are my six defense alignment. Yeah, I think those would be my six as well uh, right now uh, from 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 where I sit here. Uh, Watts has that. I wrote him up, I think, in my latest 90 and 30 series and all like that. Just the versatility uh, that he has up and down the line can even play over over the center if you need him to going to be hard. Uh, He should. To me, he should easily beat out a guy like uh, uh, Isaiah Loudermilk. And the question becomes, you know, Montrevious Adams, I, I think we know what his ceiling is uh, right now. I think Fajoko has a better has a better chance of being a better over-the-nose type player uh, than, than potentially Montrevious Adams. So those would be the six I would go with as well right now. If there was to be a seventh uh, in – uh, in this position group, who would it be and what position group would it pull from? Well, I think Latimoak would, you know, be a candidate there. I think the DN depth is still a little shaky. I still like, I still am intrigued by, I shouldn't say like, because I need to, to see him more, but James Nyamwaya, because I think he's a really athletic guy that has that prototypical size, the rookie from Merrimack. So I think as we talked about, uh, I think two weeks ago, he's more practice squad than he is probably 53, but that's a name I'll be watching pretty closely in training camp. Okay. And where it pulls from, I'm not even sure. Maybe maybe outside linebacker or next spot here at the edge rusher position because I'm, I'm a bit heavy with five with TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, Marcus Golden, Nick Herbig, and always good to throw an undrafted pass rusher on there. They seem to always make noise in Pittsburgh. David Perales from Fresno State. I think he's a good college player. I think he had an injury in the pre-draft process that made his testing look worse than what it is. 
I think Perales is a name to also really watch this summer. I definitely see where your head is at here. Uh, the pushback that I would get, look, I, I enjoyed uh, the David Perales uh uh, college tape, high effort, uh, pass rusher, uh, extremely high effort uh, type of guy. Uh, he's got some refinement. I, I think he needs to do uh, from an all around pass rush plan and and learning to play on his feet. You know, a little bit more probably. And on top of that, I kind of wonder what he is as a special teams guy. In my opinion, if you're going to keep a a fifth edge rusher here i would prefer it to be one that i know i could dress and give me some help on special teams i'm not convinced perales uh could be that guy i have in my head perales being a uh a, a practice squad guy and thus i would have this team keeping four edge rushers knowing that my fifth inside linebacker because i'd keep five would definitely be a guy that i dress on play and, and play on special teams so uh uh, I would push back on, not that he can't make it, you know, uh, I could definitely see some scenarios where they did keep five edge rushers and five inside linebackers, but uh, I would push back on the fact that Perales, uh, I'm not sure he could get a helmet as a special teams guy as being a, a main reason of why I would not keep five at that position. That's fair. I don't know much about his special teams background in college and you probably find that out this summer. So it's certainly going to be one of those those top things to watch if he's going to truly make a run at, at a roster spot. At inside linebacker, keeping five as well in Cole Holcomb, Mark Robinson, Landon Roberts, Tanner Muse, and Nick Kwiatkowski. I think five feels a bit heavy here, Dave, but I didn't know who to take off because they're signing all these guys and they re revamped the entire room. And I just assume they're going to basically keep all these guys and see what sticks. You didn't jump through the podcast machine the other day on your staycation when we had the conversation about Mark Robinson, did you? I didn't hear that. I, I should have gone okay. back and listened. No. Uh, I just threw out the hypothetical. Just, you know, uh, look, I, uh, you're, I am high. I'm uh, coming out of last year's uh, uh, preseason, obviously. Uh, liked a lot of what I saw about uh, Mark Robinson there. Fast forward into last season, uh, he only played 40-something snaps in and, and, and four different games, and two of those games were late in the season there. Uh, just didn't get a lot of burn. And, and as I told Josh and, and, and Jonathan, uh, I'm just I, – I need to see more of this tape. And obviously I hope that – you know, I, I don't think – what we heard out of Terrell Austin were the kind of things that we kind of thought that we'd hear out of Terrell Austin earlier this summer. Now, was that a, a way to motivate Mark Robinson and all like that? But let's remember, this is a guy that only played one year of uh, off the ball linebacker in college, obviously didn't play a lot, I mean, heavy hitter, uh, all like that. Once again, a lot, I, where I was, the path I was leading Jonathan and Josh down uh, and it's not anti Mark Robinson. It's just more along the lines. Are there, is there any scenario you could see where maybe Mark Robinson doesn't make this 53-man Now roster? I'm jumping through my screen. All right. Well, that's, you know, uh, I just, I, I wanted to test the waters as, as to the, as to the plausibility of him not may, maybe making this final cut here because of guys like Musin. I, I think, uh, Look, Muse and Kwiatkowski, obviously, uh, Kwiatkowski more than Muse, 
they they have they have experience both if they both made this roster they both would obviously play on special teams and have that going for them uh, i think it would take a scenario where only maybe four inside linebackers were kept in total but i yo know, is there just some level of plausibility where Mark Robinson somehow does not make this 53. I don't think it's going to happen, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not so sure I'd bet everything I own on him being on the 53, I guess was, was the angle that I was trying to take on that. I see what you're saying. And it's good to think about all these options and not put blinders on and just assume things. Cause everybody knows what happens when, when you assume, um, and, what, and, and, what did he, and, and once again, you know, mm-hmm. you talked about him, you broke it, you broke down. I think every damn play that he played, you know, on, on defense last season. But once again, we're only talking about 40 something plays. What has you so bullish on Mark Robinson? The fact that he's looked this good, despite, as you said, being, you know, a one year in college guy playing linebacker, a rookie seventh round pick in the NFL. And you see those flashes and I just want to see more of it. You you made the point and and I agree that you want to see more tape on Mark Robinson. But if they keep signing all these guys to play over Mark Robinson, it's harder to get more tape and quality tape on Mark Robinson. Right. So. And look, that's one of the things that, that had, I, I guess, kind of the most confused. I was the most and I'm confused all the time, but uh, <laughs> uh, the most confused, you know, this offseason or, or I, I should say the most intriguing kind of things that have happened were I didn't expect Terrell Austin to say what he said earlier. in the right. offseason. I, I think Same. you would you would agree with I, that wholeheartedly. You know, uh, now, is there a message in there that that we just are not seeing, you know, uh, in other words, don't. Hey, kid, don't let your head get so damn big, you know, uh, sure. uh, the, which is that's a plausible angle there. But I, I was a bit taken uh, uh, back by that. And the second thing, unless unless and we'll find out here in a few days, unless Hulk, Cole Holcomb, uh, you know, they like what they saw. He's on the right path on, uh, as far as coming back from the, from the foot surgery and all like that. Uh, but maybe we're still going to be cautious with him at the start of training camp and thus put him on uh, PUP just at the start of camp here to kind of ease him into things. What was the need to sign Nick Kwiatkowski? <laughs> right. You know, even even though it was for a minimum and I once again, I'd sign Alex Kazor for for a veteran benefit deal uh, at this point, especially if he could play special teams, which I have. You know, I'm I'm fighting hard for Danny Smith. I'm bringing him gum. I I have my questions about that uh, (laughs) there, but uh, it was a bit. When you start adding all these blues, and once again, I am a classic overthinker on uh, when it comes to this. Uh, I just, you know, why, why Terrell Austin's comments and why, why Kwiatkowski needed to be added, even though it was for the minimum. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all about having as many of those guys with experience on your roster on the team. Yeah. I I think it spoke to some level of distrust in Robinson that, that you can go back to the Austin comments and and cite that. And I understand that again, he's a second year guy. There's still a lot for him to learn. You know, even though he's a second year guy, he's not where he most linebackers in his position are because he's still so new to the position. I mean, three years ago playing running back at, or was he Presbyterian or Southeast Missouri, whatever colleges he was, he was going through. So I, I get all that. I just want to see more of this guy. I think that he, he showed he could hold his own last year. They were building specific packages for him by the end of the season, those run heavy four, four fronts. And so I, I just want them, want them to build upon that. So 
Again, who who it, was the inside linebacker out of Florida State a couple years ago? Matthew uh, Thomas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, could this be? Because <laughs> remember, I, I I'm willing to bet you go back and look at the 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 roster predictions and 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 listen to the podcast and and the final uh, you know going over our our our, our pre camp 53 man roster. You know he was probably on the predictions there, and he ended up not making it. You know. Yeah, he was like an opposite, though. He was a really good athlete. They had him at a gunner a little bit, but he was like the biggest head case, like above the neck. I remember they were doing a special teams drill, and he screwed it up, I think, three times in a row and just kept having to try to do it over and over about which way to go and how do you work the drill. And he was just kind of a a mess, you know, above the neck. But, um, yeah, I think Robinson is kind of the opposite, where athletically he's not going to be a fantastic space player, but like a real good tryhard who picks things up quickly. It just you know, how well can you refine his technique and, and all that kind of stuff. And once again, if, if I, if I had to put out, uh, and, and obviously with me thinking that they're only going to go four outside linebackers, I'm, I would go five, uh, inside linebackers. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, mine would have Mark Robinson in it, you know, uh, would I you just, just have these same five. If you were building your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing is, I just, I wonder if how, you know, Based on everything that I said, how safe Mark Robinson actually is. No, that, that's fair. I get that overall. We um, won't. We of, won't mention any of this again unless I'm unless uh, <laughs> he ends up not making it. <laughs> right. Now, now we're tr- now I'm truly back on the podcast when I hear that. All right, five cornerbacks I have being kept. Arthur Millette was on my previous edition, and then two days later he got to Heepo out of Pittsburgh asking for his release. So the five that I have are. Patrick Peterson, Levi Wallace, Joey Porter Jr., Corey Trice Jr., and Chandon Sullivan. Could be a six. James Pierre, kind of a maybe one of the most notable names left off this list. Certainly could make it, but those are the five that I have, Dave. Yeah. Uh the the and look, you 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 really hope a guy like Trice with uh you know uh his pedigree and 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 things related to that and who's going to you know is it going to be Chandon Sullivan or somebody not on the roster right now and I know you tried to keep this with only guys that are on 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 the 90 man roster right now mm-hmm. so the to me the only question is with this group is a is it 5 or 6 and and because if it's 6 Pierre is going to be on there because of special teams I think Right. Uh, and, and experience. And the, 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 the second notion of those six is, is it Chandon Sullivan or is it somebody not on the roster right now? Yeah. Or maybe a Duke Dawson. I know that Omar Khan mentioned him, but that slot corner is very much up in the air with Pierre. I'm, I'm going to assume here that Trice kind of overtakes that, that gunner special teams value that Pierre has. And defensively, Pierre has always been up and down. He's never found that consistency. He's a talented guy. He's shown flashes, but just has never quite put it together. You draft two rookies, you add Peterson, which granted is just kind of a swap with Sutton. But I just think maybe Pierre finally gets squeezed out. You can only kind of hang on as that back end corner for so long before somebody replaces you. Chandon's a pretty decent special teamer, right? I honestly don't know too much about his special teams background. I know he's played a lot of snaps defensively as a as a slot corner. And so he's on here because he's like the true slot corner of the five. Um, I'd have to investigate more about his special teams background. I, I think from what I remember, he's, 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 he's at least decent. He can hold his own. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then he could obviously, you know, contribute there and probably, uh, would. 
All right, safeties, I have five as well. Minka Fitzpatrick, DeMonte Casey, Keanu Neal, Miles Killebrew, and Trey Norwood. Norwood's kind of like my 53rd player, and a guy like Elijah Riley could push him hard for a spot. Norwood needs to have a good camp. I think him and Loudermilk are guys that have to have really strong showings to be able to cement their spot on this roster. But for now, I'll give him the nod going into the summer. Yeah, and and Killebrew, you have to you have to think because of the special teams ability, although that was lacking or special teams as a whole, uh didn't make the kind of, didn't make key plays like they had done the, the year prior uh mm-hmm. to that. So uh even so you would still think Miles Killebrew can 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 make this roster uh as an ace if you will. And then the question becomes is, you know, Trey, Trey Norwood and his final visit with the Bobs. How does yeah, that he's, go? He's got to tackle. He's got to tackle a lot better than, than he did last season, both defensively and on special teams. So speaking of which my three specialists, Chris Boswell, I'll go Braden man by a nose over Presley Harvin. The third, I think they're very similar guys. It truly will come down to who punts better, not just in camp, but in the actual preseason games inside stadiums. And then I'll stick with Christian Kuntz as the long snapper over now challenger Rex Sunahara. You know, for years and all, you just pencil these guys in uh, uh, the specialist and not think anything of it. But <laughs> there's no way you're betting the house on the punter or the long snapper <laughs> situation uh, as camp gets underway, right? No, I think they're pretty open battles and, you know, we'll see and. You know, will they mix and match holders and uh, snappers or will, you know, man work with just Sunahara and Harvin work with just Kuntz? I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. So there there are some there are truly battles across this, this right. entire roster. Right. Uh, I think as I sit here right now, I would just I would lean. Uh, I, I think I'd lean with you on man and I'd also lean lean with you on on, on Kuntz. But uh, I, I do think both those spots are up for grabs and they, they could end up being grabbed by guys not on the roster right now for all we know. Yeah. I think that's less likely, but we've seen that happen. It happened to punter a while back. So yeah, I don't want to completely rule that out. All right, Dave, that's, those are my roster predictions. Um, will you have an addition before camp starts or will you wait until after the first uh, game? Uh, I'll try to pound something out, but obviously it'd be very similar to yours. I, yeah. I you know, I, I think I might uh, go one less safety, one more corner uh, okay. with, with, with James Pierre in there. I think I would go one less outside linebacker. Uh, where else would I push back here? Yeah, I, I think that's about, uh, I would need one other spot somewhere. I don't know. Maybe I could find uh, Monty Potabama spot anyway, <laughs> uh, within right. that. But uh, as is usually a, the case, you know, you, there, there's seven guys probably on this list that you're not 100% sure about, if not more. Sure, especially this early out before getting eyes. And again, there's so much roster turnover, so much newness. It's going to be, I think, even a different feel this year, kind of a who are you people kind of experience as camp starts off. So that's going to make it, I think, all the more uh, interesting. And you had a even, you had a, a, a quite, when's the last time we've seen 26 24? On offense. I, I'd have to go back and check. Usually they're, they're either 25-25 or 26-24. They don't generally go any heavier on either side than that. Right. But I don't I don't know what last year's was or the year before or anything like that. Right. And it's only one off one direction because it would be 25-25 yeah. if it's dead even. So, right. yeah, obviously that's happened before. I can't – I'm just trying to remember if they were one heavy on 
offense or defense last year? Yeah, I, I don't know. And then you had the whole, they kept seven receivers initially to move right. Calvin Austin to IR. So yeah, I, I'm never going to be a 27, 23. That's too heavy for one side. That's always right. going to be 25, 25, 26, 24, but that's all inside baseball. All right. And obviously we, and we hope it doesn't, but injuries, you know, could impact this thing. Yeah. As we mentioned earlier around the league and it, it will probably to some extent, hopefully just to a smaller extent, but who the heck knows. All, all right, right, Dave, we're wrapping things up here. Um, probably too many, as you said, 90 and 30 names to get to. Is there any guys that you had written about that you just wanted to note, but you had a special note where you're like, I really want to talk about this guy before camp kicks off. Uh, let me pull up the master list real quick there. I'm sure I could uh, pick out one or two. I mean, we've obviously had the, the, uh, the conversations about guys like, uh, Perales and all, and let me pull it up here. Uh, Elijah Riley's, a, a, an interesting conversation, I think, uh, uh, be, because of the fact that they, they talked about him potentially being in, in, you know, maybe some competition for, for, for that slot position. You're talking about a guy that's, that's versatile, uh, overall played what corner and safety in his college mm-hmm. career. Uh, you know, good special teamer guy that was on the practice squad, a guy that they, they, they obviously liked for several reasons there. So I think he's an interesting name going on into the summer. As far as depth goes, we talked about uh, guys like Graham and Hagen's going to be interesting to watch uh, uh, them battle for, 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 for spots there. We mentioned Spencer Anderson and that versatility when it comes to him, let me see if there's anybody else on here. We mentioned, you know, Potabom is just going to be an interesting name for several reasons to watch overall. Uh, who would be kind of your prime? Uh, we, we mentioned McCollum in the center position. Yeah, I think we, we got most of it covered here. Uh, who would who would be guys that you think slam dunk, slam dunk uh, practice squad guys? Yeah, slam dunk practice squad feels like an oxymoron because if you're not good enough to make the 53, there's something going on that is uh, diminishing your chances. Oh, obviously, Hakeem Hakeem Butler not on you know your 53, and Mm -hmm. and I think people will will take notice of that. Uh, It just feels like the uphill battle over a guy like Boykins. Just you know, he really would have to stick out on special teams with with Hakeem Butler. Yeah, Butler's one of those guys that could make it as a number six, but will have to play his way onto the roster and just not getting eyes on him. And, you know, obviously there's some intriguing talent that, that was him coming out of Iowa State this past year with the XFL, but has yet to catch an NFL pass. And so I need to get eyes on him and really say, OK, this guy's playing well enough, Dave, the first two weeks of camp after the first game that that he is working his way onto the roster. And until we see that, I'm not going to put Butler uh, on my 53. OK. Oh, yeah, I, I, squad, I, I, go ahead. yeah, we just say pot of bomb. I think the Niam Waya, uh, the, the rookie defensive lineman, has a good shot to make it. Perales, um, if he doesn't make the yeah. 53. Perales, um, probably a couple offensive linemen. If McCollum doesn't make the 53, then I think he's going to go practice squad because there's versatility. Probably did it with Anderson, um, you know, just kind of filling out the roster that way. All right. Once again, true or false? Uh, Someone not under contract right now will be on the 53-man roster, at least one. And you got to say true, because it's been yeah. true for how many straight years now? So I don't know who, I don't know how, but probably somebody. Will it be more than one? Uh, now it's kind of, we're all just really guessing all the more. I'll, I think the averages on, say that that it is, though, right? Yeah, I think this year is a little bit different just because there's already been so much roster turnover to begin with. So I'll, I'll, I'll I guess I'll call my shot, quote unquote, and say just one, but. Who the heck knows? I think there'll be at least two. 
Okay. Fair enough. Any idea of the positions? Are you no. going? No. No, okay. I think, well, I think corner and I think center are two that you really got to look, uh, slot corner and center are two that, that, that stick out of my head. How about return guy? I know that Jordan Bird is there. I know it matters less, but if Austin cannot wear those hats, if they can find someone who can do kicks and punts, obviously you're not going to get a guy that just does, uh, does just kicks because there's not enough value there. But remember Raven McLeod a couple years ago, that's how right. he got his way on the roster. So just to, to mention that as well, it's plausible. All right, Dave, uh, this is our last podcast before camp actually begins. We're going to do one on Wednesday later in the day after players report and speak and Mike Tomlin speaks, and maybe we'll get, we'll see who's on pup if anybody. So any final pre-camp thoughts? Because next time we talk, we're going to be in the soup, as they say. We're going to be right getting after it. Yeah, I think just some of the things that uh, at the start of camp, will we see a Mike Tomlin extension? Uh, announced right out out of the shoot. You know that's obviously been a topic of conversation mm. uh, this this off season. Here uh, we're going to get. Uh, this looks like Alex Highsmith will speak speak to the media uh, today, so they'll they'll be able to get that out of the way there. Uh, I I have. I used to write up posts every year of who I thought, you know, well, they're surely going to have a clean pup NFI list and all like that. But how many times have, have, have written, you know, uh, written those, those, those type subjects up to have the surprises last minute, last, uh, last year it was Mika Fitzpatrick on the non-football injury list with mm-hmm. a, with a wrist injury and, and Tyson Alualu, I think was on uh PUP because of some knee swelling. It's impossible to, to predict these things because you don't know what's happened uh, behind closed doors. But uh, I think the key thing to watch would be two guys like Cole Holcomb and Allen Robinson. How ready is ready right now? You know, uh, mm-hmm. even though both those guys seem to ramp it up as the offseason program went on, will they be cautious with both those guys or will they get the green lights uh, right out of the right out of the shoot there? And then what, where are the, are there any surprises, uh, uh, when it comes to maybe, uh, PUP or, or, or NFI list, I will say this, uh, it looks like I'm going to make it through my 90 and 30 with it being 90 and 30 and not <laughs> 91. 90, 91 or 92 and in, in 30, because the roster has been the roster, uh, for, for, for obviously well over a month now. And it doesn't look like any changes are coming as soon as we get off this podcast. So obviously make a move uh, <laughs> uh, at, at, at that point there. But uh, uh, and then, you know, obviously the the, the first Kenny Pickett scrum session uh, will be will be interesting. And then as we, we talked at the top of the show, what what's Najee Harris and, and his thoughts on this whole running back market thing? So just those are some of the things as camp opens that I think will will be storylines worth following. Yeah, I, I agree with everything uh, that you said there. Um, I would just add to it just a general statement. The second year players, Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, Jalen Warren, even DeMarvin Leal, how are they looking to make that jump? Guys, you know, across the board showed a lot of promise, but, you know, can they really ascend into to bigger roles and you know, become, you know, a much better player and kind of run out the edges of their game? That's going to be interesting to watch. Just the secondary, the communication, how many mental mistakes are there early on in camp with new pieces um, at inside linebacker, at slot corner, at strong safety. That'll be something to watch for. So that, and uh, I think it's going to be a pretty hot one at camp this week too. Mm. And so early on conditioning, you know, again, the most um, uh, important trait is being available, being ready. You know, Jalen Warren for all the the great plays that he made last summer, backs on backers and running the ball, all that kind of stuff. 
he was available. He did not miss a practice. When the Lions got short at running back, when Rashi Harris went down, when Benny Snell was down early in camp last year, uh, they didn't add running backs for a while. And Warren was getting a ton of carries, and he was trucking along every day, finishing practice. Next day, he was ready. So that is the hidden factor of camp is be conditioned, be in shape, don't want to pull a hammy. You pull a hammy, you're out longer than you think. You're out probably three weeks, two and a half, three weeks with a hamstring injury. You're you're doing you're tracing the the middle field at, at training camp as everyone practices next to you. So you cannot pull a ham if you're a young guy trying to make a team. So you got to be hydrated, sleep, you know, eat right, get get work done from the uh, the training staff, and uh, be available, be ready to go all all practices all the time. Yeah, if these young players hadn't heeded uh, Mike Tomlin's uh, uh, annual advice at this point, it's too late now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't get ready on July twenty fourth. Uh, sure. They can't do what you did. Just go out buy a treadmill, get on it for a couple of days, and and, <laughs> yeah. and, and be yeah. Look, it, it is going to be uh, interesting to watch the heat and 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 humidity. And, it gets and hot out and, there and sticky. And these guys think they're ready until they find out that they're not ready. And once again, right. if you're at the end of the line into the position lines, you, you can't afford to miss any practices no, you know, not at, at, all. What, at, at all. Let's let me go a uh, full dad mode here. Look at the 10 day outlook. So Wednesday, Oh, it's going to be tough Wednesday, which is granted just a conditioning test, but 89 Thursday, 90 Friday, 92 with some storms, Saturday, 83 storms, Sunday, 82 storms. So a, I'm going to get wet. I got my, got my trusty, uh, waterproof paper ready to go, but uh, it's going to be muggy. It's going to be hot. It's going to be a true camp experience. All right. You want to get to a couple of emails? We've neglected those here uh, yeah. the last couple of shows. Let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show. All right. Uh, from Jim Bendis, he says, outrageous, not likely to happen pre-training camp predictions. He says, as we start training camp in a few days, I was wondering if you guys had some uh, out." Outrageous end of the season predictions that you would like to make outrageous in terms of not likely to happen, but if the stars line perfectly, it could happen. For example, on offense, Matt Canada could be offensive, uh, be offensive coordinator of the year. If there is such an award on defense, Mark Robinson is a starting interior linebacker by the end of the season and goes to the pro bowl. Uh, what are your outrageous, not likely to happen, but could happen uh, predictions. Also, good job uh, to all to keep the site going through the dead period of the NFL season. Thanks for that, Jim. Uh, uh, we Nobody likes to see training camp get here more than us because July is just brutal as far mm-hmm. as uh, trying to find you know good content to write about to keep people entertained. <laughs> Outrageous uh, pre-camp predictions like that. I mean... I, I want to get. I, I want to learn more about these players. <laughs> for yeah, you know, I, I think that's more of a question to be had as we go into the season. Uh, uh, after we set our eyes on some things, right? Yeah, Matt Canada. I mean, uh, Matt Canada being up for uh, a fictitious uh, uh, offensive coordinator of the year award. I think that that's just way, way too far outrageous. Mark Robinson. Uh, I could see Mark Robinson, you know, even after all the, the talk that we had, I could see him possibly being a starter, starting inside linebacker, but uh, uh, by the end of the season, you know, potentially. Now going to the Pro Bowl, that you know, I, that that's way out there as well too. Uh, what would be outrageous, you know? 
after not not yet seeing these guys. Yeah, I, I'm gonna punt on the question to be honest. I think, like you said, I mean, obviously anything outrageous is is hard to predict. Um, but let's let, let's get to camp. Let's watch these guys for a day. Um, before the season, I may have some more type of those predictions, but anything right now is just totally you know just throwing stuff at the wall. Uh, Jake Guilford has a legacy question. Uh, thank God training camp is almost upon us as we start to discuss ac- actual football. But in the meantime, I have a legacy question for you. My dad, brother, and I had this d- debate before, so I was hoping you two could weigh in. Which was the better linebacking core of their day? Greg Lloyd, Chad Brown, LeVon Kirkland, Kevin Green, or James Harrison, James Ferrier, Lawrence Timmons, or and Lamar Woodley. He says no, no wrong answers here. Just interesting food for thought as we make our way out of the doldrums of the offseason. All right, which which four was the be- better legacy uh, uh, group? Now, if you talk legacy, I my 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 mind uh, immediately goes to more of a longevity. Uh, type situation there. Look, without a doubt, Lloyd and Green and Brown and Kirkland, that was a that was a monster four. And anytime you see that that picture that floats around of those four uh not in pads but in uniform, it makes you harken back to man, what a what a great group that was there. But within that, man, how solid in the day was Harrison, Ferrier, Timmons and Woodley. You know, and and for the length of time that they were all able to play together as well, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, because you had didn't you have Harrison and Timmons both in the double, you know, plus double digit or I'm sorry, Harrison and Woodley both in the double digit uh, sack column and mm-hmm. Farrier and, T- you know, that that's a hard, hard choice. I, I'm going to I'm going to go with the because you asked legacy and the longevity. I tend to lean slightly to Harrison, Ferrier, Timmons, and Woodley. To be honest with you, my first thought was to go with the '90s bunch, but when to hear the word legacy, I kind of pivoted because I thought, who won the ring? Who has the Super Bowl? And and, and that's not all, obviously the defense's fault of the '90s. That's the whole Neil O'Donnell kind of thing, but. But it, it's all about rings in Pittsburgh. That, that's legacy. That's how you get remembered. And that group, you know, Harrison and company in 08 won a Super Bowl. So I'm going to go with that because Super Bowls create legacies. Yeah, it's not hard to be take. Uh, OK, I'll take the losing group here, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for, for, yeah. for sure. You it's know. a great consolation prize, whatever you want to pick there. Uh, Richard Jameson writes in about two weeks ago, Alex Kazora wrote an article, uh, a certain never good when someone starts with Alex Kazora. I'm going to get, I get the mom full name treatment. I'm a little nervous. Uh, uh, asserting that signing running back Malcolm Brown would be a sensible move. He says to be clear, which, which would be more sensible signing Malcolm Brown or re-signing Benny Snell and why I know which way I'm going on this, but go ahead. All right. Well, that was better than I thought I was going to get a real, real hate email there uh, coming back. No, I think Benny Snell would be the more sensible signing, but I guess I was picking a name that was a little off the beaten path. And I mean, if Snow was going to come back, you'd think he'd come back by now. It kind of feels like, you know, Pittsburgh was just moving on or Snow was moving on. Uh, Snow was in the Broncos camp, I think, during OTAs and uh, did not sign there. So ideally, yeah, bring Snow back. But if not him, then Malcolm Brown's kind of a Snell substitution. Yeah, I, I immediately go from a sensible standpoint because you know what you get with Benny Snell and, and some of that what you know that you get is that special teams asset there. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's younger. 
Yeah. So, uh, uh, I mean, if you made me choose of which one I would like to have back of the two, it'd be Benny Snell. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of wonderful. I, I not look like we're going to see either one of them though. Uh, let's see. LM writes in, I love when you two went through, uh, the 2024 free agents and identified Wallace and maybe, uh, golden as, as the only uh, two to sign over minimum. Uh, he says 2024 season really primed uh, to emerge. Could you break down the guys technically under contract in 2024, but on contract structures that could mean won't be back like Miles Jack and Akella Witherspoon uh, this off season. Okay. Look, I don't want to go too terribly deep into this, but just off the cuff of guys that are under contract for 2024 that you could potentially not see, in other words, get cut basically, or, or at some point during uh, the off season, I think a name that sticks out easy for me is Allen Robinson. Uh, mm -hmm. He's, you know, he's, 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 he's you know, that, that salary of his jumps up to, I think around 10 million, uh, next off season there. So I think if you're building a list of guys this far out that potentially might not, you know, who are under contract for 2024, but not, might not make the 53 man roster. I think Alan Robinson's on that list. Uh, a Landon Roberts is another yeah. name that, that kind of sticks out really playing for his future, uh, in 2023. So I think that's another one, uh, on this list here. Um, uh, a core four, would a you consider core four, that yeah, I, I think that's, uh, this is a big season for him. He's mm -hmm. got to, he's got to play well. He's got to earn every bit of that money. He's got a $4 million roster bonus due mm. next March. So, uh, that, that becomes a target watch date right now. Uh, for Chikwama Corfor. So I think they're, you know, depending on how he plays uh, in, 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 in 2023, will either it'll, it'll, it will become obvious to us, I think one way or the other, especially because he has a $4 million uh, roster bonus involved there. Uh, so those are three right off the top of the bat there. Anybody else? Patrick Peterson. How good is he yeah. play? Does he fall off? I mean, a two-year deal, but two-year deals can be one-year deals pretty quickly. Right. How many times have we seen these guys sign to these two or three-year yeah. deals that, that that don't make it? Now, he would be on the bottom of the list, but I think he does deserve to be on the list of guys to, to potentially watch, right? Well, yeah, I, I think in Pittsburgh's man-heavy scheme, it's probably not best for a 33-year-old corner who's admittedly you know, losing some of that speed and the versatility. Will that work? Will it won't? Maybe. Yeah, he'll bring some, he'll, he certainly can be an asset in some ways, but I think, I think it's either going to go really well with Patrick Peterson or really poorly. I don't know which way it's going to go. I think it's kind of boom bust with, with how it works out. And, and look, uh, Cole Holcomb, you know, what if he yeah. can't move past his foot injury? Uh, that would be my main concern with him. I, I think if he's healthy, he's going to give them at least what they are looking for, if not a little bit more. But uh, what if he's not healthy? Healthy, you know, what if that foot causes an issue? Yeah. And, Maybe I don't know if I heard this wrong because it was like at midnight. Charlie Batch, did you listen to that training camp preview that that got aired no. with Batch and and Pompiani? I have to go back and check. I swear that Batch had something about a hamstring with Holcomb. I don't know if he misspoke or if I misheard or or something like that. But I just want to keep an eye on that. Obviously, that wouldn't be necessarily a super long term thing. But yeah, coming off the foot injury, there there is a concern there. And 
Pittsburgh, do the old Pittsburgh linebacker two-step, one step in, one step out. I mean, these guys have been rotating so much, and I think Roberts could be a cut candidate. Holcomb probably has extra security because it's a three-year contract that he signed. I, I'd like him to at least see two years of that, but yeah, you never know. All right, so I think those are a good four or five names to 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 throw out there as potential not-on-the-roster guys who, who are under contract for 2024. Yeah, that was a good question, and hopefully we answered that uh, sufficiently. Uh, let's see here if I find any more. Larissa writes in, hello, great shows as always. Do you think it was a mistake to let Cam Sutton go this year? I was almost positive the Steelers would do everything to keep him. Number two, do you think it's better to let Kenny go all out and make big throws, even if that result is interceptions? Or is it better to keep it tight and safe? Uh, uh, Larissa says, I think the Steelers keep it safe and, and, and we won't see his full potential. Potential. I'd rather he throws a bunch of interceptions, uh, but takes risk while exploring NFL and learns. Uh, and number three, is anyone concerned about concussions with Muth and Pickett? They have had several already. If we keep throwing to Muth down the middle of the field, it seems he is more risk to get contact there and possible head, head, head injuries. W- wouldn't want him to retire early. And same with Pickett. Uh, look, I'll <laughs> predicting concussions and yeah, it could just be bad luck with these guys, you know, or maybe they are kind of prone. I, I don't know enough about that. You know, I, it is, I, the, the question is, is anyone concerned about concussions with Muth and Pickett? That should be the question. And the answer should be, yeah, you should be concerned about them because they're head injuries. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that several times. Uh, now Pickett has a new helmet. Um, and so that will hopefully reduce some of those uh, ground I don't know what you want to call it because it's been the ground that's been causing the concussions whenever his head bounces off of it. So yeah, it, it's always scary when we're talking about repeated head injuries. All right. Working backwards in these questions, do you think it's better for Kennedy to go all out, make big throws, even if the results uh, in, in interceptions, the short answer to that is no. Uh, I don't want Kenny playing. I'm sure George Pickens is down there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> however, comma, you, there are situations where you've got to trust that your guy can make make the play. Uh, I here was I was going through some of the stats on Kenny Pickett uh, and 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 looking at some of the later season tape versus the uh, uh, earlier season tape uh, over the weekend here with him. You know, and obviously, look, one of the big things I'm looking for for Kenny Pickett is a stat nobody cares about, so just a net yards for passing it. But, you know, during that second half of the season, it got better. And obviously, because the interceptions were down, just one. Do you here's something that I actually had to go look at, too, because for shame on me, I could not remember it for whatever reason. Do you remember the second half? Lone interception that Kenny Pickett threw and how that happened, who it was against and how it happened. I do. It was against the Raiders. He got pressured and kind of had a little floater to the linebacker underneath, right? Right. And it was a, it was a pressure situation. Yeah, and, pressured, and, yeah. and I don't think if we ever saw a good angle of just how in, 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 in his face, the defense was that. I, was it Crosby or was it? I, no, I think it was the other left or the right. The end. I think that right. came through, I think. Uh, Mac, wasn't it? Was it Mac? Maybe I can I can try to go back. Yeah, I, and check. I, I, I remember going back and, and look because I just once I once I saw the playoffs, I, I was like, mm. oh, yeah. Uh, in other words, it was uh, it was 
I, I think the defender got in his face a little bit quicker as he was releasing the ball. The, the, mm-hmm. the ball came out. In other words, it was a a forgivable interception, if you will, to some degree. Uh, just not, you know, picking up on on how quick the pressure was going to to uh, a forgivable, unforgivable uh, interception, if you will. There, but anyway, long story short, uh, and and you don't need a cherry pick here, but I mean, from from the buy on. He was he was a lot closer to that 6.0 adjusted net yards per passing attempt number than obviously his 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 stat was for the year. Uh, the other thing is is he was sacked six times in that game against the Saints right after the bye. Right? Was he really? Yeah. Oh my god! I didn't realize it was that many. Yeah, and and sacks obviously play a part in adjusted net yards for passing attempt number. So if you were to look at his numbers past that that Saints game, he he was definitely trending in the right direction as far as that stat goes. All right. Now obviously the tape means more than anything else. And I think you pointed out that it was, there, there was some progression in there uh as as what which there was and all. I what I'm getting at here is Coming out at the beginning of the season, I, I I expect Pickett to be leaning a little bit more on the conservative side, if you will. I don't want him. I'm sure Pickens is down there somewhere. I don't want to see those type of interceptions, you know, early on. Uh, I want it to be very explainable. I want it to be forgivable, unforgivable interceptions, mm-hmm. if any happen. I agree. I think it'll be more conservative. That was the model that the got them to seven, two down the stretch last year. But to answer the question, it's not, you know, it's not the extremes. It's not, do you go for broke all the time and just start, you know, slinging it? Or do you go uber conservative? It's, it's a line. It's a balance. You're always walking based on game circumstance, the coverage, um, a million different factors. So it's not do this or do that. It's, It's not black and white. It's varying shades of gray. I think it probably will slant a bit more towards the let's play ball control take care of the football. That's been a winning model for us. Sure. But there's going to be times where he's going to take shots and try to make some plays. So it's not, it's not all or nothing when it comes to the quarterback's mindset. Now, look, he is going to have to push the football down the field Mm -hmm. a little more early in the season and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, just doing it just to do it. No, you know? Yeah. It's not, you don't tell Kenny, Hey, go crazy. Or, Hey, Kenny, don't try anything. It's not that it's not the mindset you give to your quarterback. It's based on the, play and coverage and game situation a million different factors so it's not this or that yeah remember he was sacked six times against the eagles and then obviously uh the bye week came he was sacked six times for 37 yards i had to look at that three times too yeah i forgot he was sacked that much and they still Uh, won that game relatively comfortably right uh so obviously you know sacks impact to, to, to a minor degree, uh, obviously interceptions matter more. And then uh, you know, if you could up your touchdown uh, rate and all like that, but uh, just from that stat perspective in the second half of the season, it, it got climbing in the right direction as you hope it, hope it would, you know, obviously didn't throw a ton of touchdowns in the second half of that season. What was it? Uh, uh, five, five touchdown passes versus one interception there. Mm-hmm. You would love to have that kind of ratio right out of the shoot, right? You know, for first six games, uh, uh, kind of situation. Obviously, you want the totals higher of the of the touchdowns and the interceptions to be on the same uh, 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 pace as a ratio as that five to one. And then you know you want to limit the sacks as well too. Uh, but uh, top, the first part of that question was, do you think it was a mistake to let Cam Sutton go this year? 
Uh, and I, and look, Larissa, we're both, I, I was, I was, I was pretty animate. I thought they were going to re-sign him. Uh, I think from where I sit right now, uh, and we'll see how things play out. I, I think it might've been a mistake to let him walk for, for, for what he walked for. I think unequivocally it was, I think that was the biggest mistake that Omar Khan made this off season. And I think overall it was a good off season. I liked and supported most of the moves that he made, but I think choosing to let Sutton go and signing Patrick Peterson in his place for just a couple million dollars less in savings was the wrong move. I think they're going to really miss Cam Sutton, the versatility, the flexibility, uh, the comfort that he brought. And he was a really good outside corner last year when he was playing there before bumping inside in some of those sub package situations. So yeah, I think short answer, it was a big mistake. What was uh, Sutton's uh, three cap? years, 33 million? I don't know the actual cap charge for year one, but uh, that was the total of uh, the deal. Uh, cap number this year because they used, oh, they used avoided years on him as well, too. Which, uh, to which, bring it down. which they, yo, know, there's no rule that says you can't, yo, know, obviously we know the Steeler stance on it post COVID and all like that, mm-hmm. but his cap number was 3.2. Two eight. All right. So let's let let's uh uh back the back that out and and not use the void years there. There would have been another four. Let's say four point three million uh to divide up over three years. I mean, let's say his cap number needed to be four four point five million. They could have made that work. I'm sure there's a will, there's a way. You can massage the cap, sure. And and they could have still had Peterson too. You know, well, I don't know if they would. Have, I don't know if Peterson would have come here if you bring Sutton back. I think it's was kind of either or. Well, but I'll I mean, take Sutton I, over Peterson. I mean, I, I'm just saying they could have they could have got both done. So, uh, but but I look, we I think we both went into the offseason thinking, man, they're, they're going to resign Cam Sutton, and then they mm-hmm. didn't. You know, so yeah. From where I sit right now, I'm 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 I still have a bad taste in my mouth. You know, yep. when it when I'm it comes you. to that. All right, uh, I think we got through uh everything here uh that we need to get to we will be back on wednesday probably after uh right after 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 the players report and after tomlin speaks so probably a later afternoon podcast correct yeah it should be later in the day will not be out in the morning or early afternoon and uh, we'll have a live stream tonight our last uh live stream of the off season before camp begins on youtube at 7 p.m eastern time so hang out with uh Dave and uh, myself and ask us Steelers questions and uh, do that one more time before football gets going. All right. That should be uh, an interesting session later on tonight. So in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steelers Depot, follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora, follow the show at terrible podcast, email the, Hey, Alex, welcome back. Thank you so much. It's good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, email the show, the terrible podcast at gmail.com. Also, if you like uh, the site, want to donate to the cause, steedersdepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you want an ad free version of the site, uh, steedersdepot.com. Hit the ad free button up right navigational bar. Follow the, follow the directions uh, uh, that way there. Exciting week here for sure. And we will be back on Wednesday with another episode. And as always, thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.